Welcome to the Sam Says Podcast. I'm Samantha Oldsfry, the CEO of the Illinois Association of Medicaid Health Plans, also known as IMHIP. In this podcast, we focus on all things surrounding the Illinois Medicaid Managed Care Program. I'm the Sam and Sam Says, and today I'm so happy to be joined by John Allen, CEO, and Michelle Padula, Chief of Operations at CareTech, one of IMHIP's newest trusted partners, to join us for a very timely conversation on technology and redeterminations. We, uh, in the Medicaid space, will be undergoing very soon. John and Michelle, welcome to Sam Says. Thank you so much for having us. It's an honor to be here. We are so glad not only to have you here today in this conversation, but really that the the work that you are doing to sort of move the ball forward, make sure that people maintain coverage in a really sort of unprecedented experience when we sort of begin um, the redetermination process here in Illinois, but really nationwide. And so can you just sort of start in, you know, giving us some background about CareTech and the work that you guys do? Sure, we'd be happy to. Um, CareTech is a, a new, a startup, uh, kind of an IT-based operation that we really focus on what we call member engagement. Um, you know, it, it's quite often, you know, as MCOs, you know, especially for my days when I was general counsel at MCO in Illinois, um, we tend to look at the, the member population as kind of a broad-based, you know, whole population. Um, and while some reach out with better, better efforts than others, there's never been a really concerted effort to deal with one-on-one with a member, um, and in large part because of the, how many members there are. And so what our idea was, um, was to find an automated way um, using artificial intelligence, using the communication formats that people prefer as opposed to what we are used to doing, and trying to engage in members. And so we've created a system that can reach out, uh, locate, uh, uh, store current information, uh, contact the member through a text message, through a phone call, through an email, through a website, um, and if, if necessary, even through live contact. But really the phone call and the text are kind of our main thrust. And we use an automated system, and it's not really a robocall because robocalls really just give information and hang up. Um, and if they want to get information back, they, they transfer to somebody else. Our system design actually received information from the member, stored accurately, and relayed back to either the MCO or whoever else needs it um, to be able to keep a, a current record of the members' um, responses. Um, that can work on redeterminations, most, most importantly, um, but also surveys, assessments, um, uh, prescription information, pharmaceutical information, and so forth like that. And then, of course, we have a system that rewards the member for, for engaging with us because, you know, of course, we all know what, it likes, what it's like to get a spam call and people really just hang up. And we have to get by that. So we try to reward people for sticking with us. Yeah, and we believe the first year will probably be the hardest. But once people get to know us and know that we're real, they'll become a lot more, uh, you know, responsive to us. And so, you know, in short, at a high level, you know, we're looking to engage the member, respond to them, uh, communicate with them, uh, store the information and give us, and then um, get the information back to the MCO where it's helpful. You know, our goal is really to help members keep a medical home, uh, stay where they are, not bounce around from plan to plan or doctor to doctor, but to have one consistent uh, system for continuity of care. And I love that. And what I love about CareTech, and there are so many threads I want to pull from what you just outlined, John, but the first and foremost is just the recognition that Medicaid members are people just like the rest of us. And they want to be communicated with 
just like the rest of us. And I always say like, if Creighton Barrel can text me or, you know, um, whomever, right. why couldn't my, my health plan or my doctor text me? It's, it is, it's my preferred method of communication. I am far more likely, you know, like when we think about like cap surveys or patient surveys, like I would be far more likely to complete my cap survey, uh, which is my patient satisfaction survey for my doctor or for my son's doctor if it were via text, if you just text me, like, let me check off a few things. Let me tell you how I feel about it and move on. But instead they mail them all out. You know, it is a real clunky process and it sort of mirrors what we see in healthcare all the time where there's been all this innovation and it's been slower, not non-existent, but slower to enter the healthcare space. Although when we say things like artificial intelligence, I know that people's heads sort of start to spin and think like, well, what does that mean exactly? But the truth is like we're interacting and and we do see artificial intelligence in the clinical space already, as Michelle, I think can talk about a little bit. Um, And what it really is, is just bringing that technology, what we see with other, um, you know, interfaces that we interact with on a daily basis and bring that to the Medicaid program and the healthcare space to sort of focus more on patients. Absolutely. You know, I've, it's funny because even though we you know, talk about spam calls, you've seen your home mail and what you get, it's usually catalogs um, that you don't even get bills anymore. Um, but people prefer calls. And I think there's some high percent people that prefer text. Michelle probably has that number. Um, of, you know, I think most people prefer, prefer to receive text messages. Uh, Michelle, do you know what that is? So I, no, I do not have that statistic with me, but, um, there is, um, studies out there that show that most consumers, no matter what industry it is, um, prefer to interface with any third party. So whether it's, um, you know, enrollment or doctor or, um, you know, any other, um, you know, product you or service you would buy, they prefer to interact um, via text message um, and that over even a telephone conversation as well. Um, so studies um, out there do support that that is a preferred method for people to interact with um, organizations. You know, it's funny, my wife told me once a long time ago when I was younger and more, more insecure about public speaking, she said, make sure you tell people what they need to hear, not what you want to say. And that to us applies to the method of communication. So it's not what, what we want to do to get it out to them. It's what they need to see to respond to us, get the information back. And so we believe this right now, a cell phone call or a text message, and being able to respond to text messages like you do with a paper form is vital. You know, we've sort of danced around this, but like, let's dive right in. We in Illinois and across the state or across the country, we've not done annual Medicaid redeterminations because of the public health emergency right. for now two years and you know it's going to be an extended time period and so when redeterminations are turned back on members who have not had to complete this paperwork who might have moved who might have moved twice are going to need to submit um, redetermination information a large chunk here in illinois about 70 percent in order to maintain their health care coverage and this is a huge undertaking uh, and if we talk about how Illinois does it the old way or the, the way they used to do it, it's very paper focused. It is a paper application. It is, um, a, a, that is mailed to their house, um, and that they may or may not see it is, uh, you know, really 
um, an area that is uh, ripe for improvement. And and that's what CareTech is looking at, right? Like, how do we improve this and make it more member friendly? Absolutely. Um, You know, there are about, you know, and I'm using ballpark figure, about 3 million Illinois Medicaid members, about 22 million Medicaid members uh, nationwide. Um, And using paper forms has always been at best, uh, with due respect to the state, is not, should not be considered successful. More than half the people don't respond and more than half the people currently drop off. But now we have a heightened population because of the pandemic. Um, and you know the, the effort has to be taken because we're sure people that came on the program when they're unemployed during the pandemic have gotten jobs. Um, but also if you talk to some, some of the hiring people in the world, HR people, they, they'll tell you it's hard to find people to work. So you know people may still want, but we have to figure that out. And so the question becomes, how do you figure that out um, with a population that's new, uh, with a population that's at least half resistant in the mail process, um, and a population that may be confused as to the process and the relevance of it? If you're um, 24 years old, we would call them the young and invulnerables because they just don't believe they're ever going to get sick. And so they get a paperwork in the form. uh, Sometimes even the most conscientious will get to it next week, which, of course, as we know, means never. (laughs) Um, And so our way of reaching out really kind of addresses that. Um, it's low impact. Uh, and one thing that's is, is, is key is that it's, it's, it's short. Um, you know, the, 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 a long call may take nine to 15 minutes. A short call where no, no information's changed. Um, you know, they, they work in the same job. They have the same family structure. They're in the same address. That could take less than 30 seconds because you're just verifying what's already there. Um, and, it's, and, we're, and we get their, their authentication and we move on. Uh, and so we are looking to... Um, you know, we're looking to have a low impact and a short impact. Uh, you know, as nice as we are on the phone, they don't really want to talk to us. <laughs> they want to get on with their day. And so we're here to help them make that happen, but also make sure they stay with the same doctor. So when that invulnerability wears off, um, they have some, some place to go. Right. And I think that is just what, there's so many moving pieces here. And it's definitely a population that just is new to the mm-hmm. redetermination process. And I will say you know, the forms can feel overwhelming to the most familiar person with this process. And so I can very much see perhaps like a 24 year old Samantha would have opened that up, felt overwhelmed, set it to the side right, and then moved on. And you only have 30 days to send it back to keep your healthcare coverage. So it's a small window yep. there. It's ripe for confusion, for overwhelm, for not knowing what to do. And then what does that mean? It means you've lost your healthcare coverage. And so that is not good for that individual and for their family. But then let's think of the overall, you know, sort of community and public health impact that then strains the system because they will get sick at some point. Just because you don't have healthcare coverage doesn't mean you don't get sick. It right. means that you don't have the resources to support you when you do get sick. You end up in a hospital that ends up impacting all of our healthcare costs. And so we all have this vested interest in improving the process. And then here in Illinois, we know that the number one group of folks who don't have insurance are those who are ed- um, eligible for Medicaid and not enrolled. We don't want to grow that number. We want to shrink that number. And the work that you guys do and sort of the promise of simplifying it, being accurate, making sure that if they're eligible, they maintain coverage. And if they're not eligible, let's transition them to the marketplace. Let's make sure we maintain coverage wherever it's right is sort of your guys's end goal. Absolutely. You know, we're looking at, um, 
a disenrollment projection between 5.3 of $14 million, 14 million people nationwide. Uh, and that's a huge, a huge, uh, you know, this is a discrepancy. It's a wide range, but it's a huge problem for the, you know, the status of healthcare in this country. And as we know, in the middle of a pandemic, the last thing we want people to have um, is an absence of, 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 of healthcare and, and what, it, what it means to us. And so, you know, it's funny because, you know, even when we showed the forms to our developers, who, of course, by their nature, are very, very smart people, they were confused. <laughs> Where does this apply? How does this apply? When they drew the tree out, it, they took um, from maybe 10 to 20 questions, they actually had a decision tree of 600 steps. <laughs> Just those questions for all the different kinds of possibilities they could think of. Um, and we had to work to kind of make that more manageable. So it, it is very complicated. And for the average person, um, you know, that's something that, again, you think I'll get to it later. I don't feel like being bothered with this now. I just got home from work. I just got to deal with stuff. The kids are crying um, or my favorite show's coming on. I'll get to it later. And that they don't get to it at all. Um, but really the tech um, is really what makes this flow for us. Um, and that's really kind of what we try to focus on is how we make technology work for all of us instead of all of us working for the tech. And Michelle has really done a lot of work with our developers to make sure our, you know, the, the system behind what we're doing is, is really um, seamless and functional. So, you know, Michelle, if you want to elaborate on that, you're the tech person. I'm a lawyer, so I'm allergic to numbers. Yeah, sure. So, and you know, and again, Sam, you know, you mentioned how, yes, there's all this uh, work in the clinical space in utilizing artificial intelligence and how do you enhance the clinical experience for uh, the member or the patient in this case. And so it's the same technology, you know, and again, I always want to reiterate that, you know, artificial intelligence is this big, fancy kind of scary thing that you know, we're all still learning as we go about, um, you know, its uses and, and the power that it has. And really, it's meant to augment processes and make things more efficient and work alongside human interaction. It's not to replace any human interaction. And so really, um, we're utilizing that same technology, um, but applying it to a critical piece of a member's journey, which is maintaining coverage um, of their health benefits, right? Because that's the biggest threat to continuity of care. And studies show that continuity of care is directly related to your health outcome, right? And so we are basically taking the artificial intelligence used in a clinical setting, but applying it to that most critical piece of maintaining um, their coverage. And so, you know, to, to John's point about the various areas uh, where, where the technology is, um, you know, utilized, it's one is finding current contact information for folks, right? Um, and obviously running through a verification process. And, um, you know, obviously there's hesitant, hesitancies around that, right? Well, how do you know it's the correct information? So again, utilize the technology to create those um, uh, verification processes so that the member is verifying that that is their correct information. Um, and so that's the thing, it's just utilizing it to do things in a more efficient way um, but also our, the biggest focus too is, is meeting people where they are, you know, and not just having only one way of um, doing a specific process, having multiple ways of, of completing it. You know, I mean, I have a doctor's visit, I get alert on my phone, I get a, a phone call reminder and I get an email reminder and I get a text message um, all asking me to verify that I'm, I'm going to attend. And guess what? The one that I pick is the text because it's the fastest, it's the easiest, and I could multitask. Um, and in some, some of our demos we've done, you know, with Medicaid members, they're like, this is great. I can do 
the redetermination application on my phone while I'm on the train on the way to work, you know, and, and again, you know, we, to your point, Sam, about like, we're all human beings, we all are juggling multiple um, priorities. And so, you know, when you get that form in the mail, if you get it, you know, I just got Christmas cards back in the mail that I sent in November, you know, got, got returned, but the address is correct, right? So, you know, relying on one source of communication, um, you know, uh, definitely is, is uh, you know, overwhelming in itself, I would say, a little risky. Um, and so obviously offering multiple forms of communication to, you know, outreach to folks to ensure that they have continuity of care, you know, as part of that goal as well. Absolutely. And I'm so glad that you guys are thinking about this sort of bringing the tech into such a fundamental component. Uh, and, and, you know, like, and why it's so fundamental, I want to just really pull that thread that Michelle talked about. Continuity of care impacts healthcare outcomes. Like, let's break that down from a human perspective. If you don't have access to the doctor that you used to go to, all of a sudden going to the doctor becomes an even larger hurdle than it already is. You know, like then getting the appointment, then, you know, getting childcare if you need it, getting transportation, maybe getting time off work, like that's all a lot. Add to that now, you need to find a new doctor. You, there's the anxiety of, am I going to like this new doctor? Where is it? You know, like all, it becomes so much more complex than going to the doctor already feels like. And so if we can maintain, you know, continuity of care, that means people are less likely to put it off. They're more likely to get their preventative visits. They're more likely to know who they go to if something's wrong. Rather than going to the emergency room, they know that they have a doctor that they can see because of a cold or what they think is a cold, but maybe it's a sinus infection or maybe it's something else, right? Like it's that human experience that is impacted by all these small fundamental uh, impacts that we have the technology to improve. And hopefully we will see that you guys are really successful um, in improving that experience for Medicaid members. We hope so. We're we're looking forward to the effort and the work. You know, we're not trying to interfere with anybody's current process. You know, the state sends their letter out. They get the responses back. We really want to work behind the scenes um, with the MCLs and the state to make sure this actually comes off as seamless as possible. And we really are trying to be you know, this is a very relevant issue, but we're trying to be as unobtrusive into their lives as possible. Uh, and so that's kind of what we're, what we're looking for. Um, and we're always happy to discuss what we're doing to anybody that wants to hear. <laughs> well, thank you, John. And I know we will definitely have you and Michelle back on as we get closer to the end of the public health emergency to really outline what do members need to do? What does the system look like and how can we improve it going forward? Thank you so, so much for joining us. Um, And we look forward to having you back in the future. Thank you very much. To learn more about what IMIP is doing and to listen to other interesting podcasts like this one today, we encourage you to visit our website at imhip.net. Don't forget to like and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. If you're interested in becoming a trusted partner like CareTech, visit our website, imhip.net, for more information. We'll also be putting a link where you can find more information about the program in the episode description. I'm Samantha Oldsfry, the Sam and Sam says, and as always, thanks for joining us. And until next time, be well and stay safe.